somebody willing to get up before dawn, milk cows, work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. He must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another, or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. And that's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to The Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. Well, I just read this article. It's come out at the New York Post. It has links to all kinds of things. Uh, it's even over at the MSN and uh, a couple of other journals, uh, Current Psychology, um, and uh, I'm looking at this other piece uh, over at MSN, uh, who's publishing it. And uh, then there's another publication uh, called The Post. So, you know, I don't know what to make of this, but here's the title. Antagonistic Narcissism and Psychopathic Tendencies Predict Left-Wing anti-hierarchical aggression. Huh? Narcissistic individuals and those with psychopathic tendencies are more likely to strongly endorse left-wing anti-hierarchical aggression, according to a new research to new research published in Current Psychology. Wow, that's uh, so I go over to current psychology and this is written by several different people. So this article here was endorsed and written by a guy named Eric Dolan. And he is referencing research and a study by Anne Crispins and Alex Bertram's. And the person over at the New York Post that published it is a, na- a person named Alex Mitchell. So <laughs> there's a lot of people involved in this research. And it's by legit sources. Legit study. So let's read this New York Post one. It says... Um, Left-wing extremism is linked to toxic psychopathic tendencies and narcissism. Uh, 
according to a new study. Okay. And it says, based on existing research, we expected individuals with higher levels of left-wing authoritarianism to also report higher levels of narcissism as a result of the new data study author Anne Crispens and Alex Bertrand have coined a new term for such psychological behavior as the dark ego vehicle principle. That sounds complicated. You know, when it's on the right, uh, they'd call it mega. They call it ultra mega. Easy to remember. And the left, you know, it's very complex. Dark ego vehicle principle. According to the principle, individuals with dark personalities, such as high narcissistic and psychopathic traits, are attracted to certain forms of political and social activism, which they can use as a vehicle to satisfy their own ego-focused needs instead of actually aiming at social justice and equality. Well, you know, the people that are wearing the masks and taking it to the streets and setting buildings on fire and lack this self-awareness of what they're actually doing, And then as soon as you hit back, they cry victim. And it's that level of lack of awareness. Like what we've seen in the news when Elon Musk took over Twitter and these pundits on the news were basically saying, who's to stop Elon Musk from censoring liberal, liberal views? And that's election interference. It's like, well, yeah, that's exactly what happened to the conservative movement only on steroids. I mean, with the conservative movement, you had the not just the media that's controlled by globalism, but you also had the government, which is paid for by conservative taxpayers, where the IRS would go after and target Tea Party. The IRS recently stood down in their investigation against Hunter Biden. And, you know, all of these different things. My Facebook account uh, has been completely shut down now. And the reason why is I posted a video of Joe Biden. The censorship is worth a lot when it comes to election rigging. And interference, but uh, tell that to Mark Zuckerberg. So I post this video, and Joe Biden was basically saying something about the red states and the blue states. And she said, and no one knew to clap. It wasn't that clap worthy, really. She was basically saying two plus two is four, but Somehow the liberals in the crowd couldn't get that. They, they, they couldn't comprehend it. So next thing you know, they didn't applaud because she mentioned red states or, uh, you know, she was mentioning something that indicated unity. And nobody knew the applause. And I basically said, the liberals don't know whether to applaud unity because they don't know what that is. And... Sure enough, so somebody chimes in and they say they try to bash Trump. And they say, well, at least it's not a word salad and it's not 
um, something else. It's not uh, a hooker or a stripper or something. So I come out and I put the Joe Biden uh, clip on. I can sum up America in one word. And then he, you know, kind of like says some word that you can't understand. And that was funny. And then I take a picture of Hunter Biden basically in a, uh, he's wearing underwear, wearing like a silk scarf. And he, you know, and that photo was taken by like a Ukrainian hooker. And I'm like, there's the guy that has a Pornhub account. I guess he's the, he's the uh, porn star, not Melania. And as soon as I posted it, I would say it took about 10 seconds and my account was zapped and completely taken offline. That's how much they're protecting Hunter Biden in this country. You would think that somehow we are living in some sort of a, a third world country at this point where the censorship just knows no bounds. Now I have a, um, an old account on Facebook that I've lit up so I can post some stuff if I want to. But for the most part, I've given up on Facebook. You know, I mean, the other account is really more of a personal account. It has my family and friends. And I just thought, I'm not going to post the political heat on those Facebook accounts, which is really kind of what Facebook, I guess, is all about anyway. It got me thinking about it. And I thought, well, maybe Facebook just isn't a good political vehicle. Maybe just not even bother with politics on Facebook. Because who am I to cast my political opinions onto my friend's ears or eyes uh, and just constantly bombard them with things that they might disagree with? But, you know, you toy around with that argument and, you know, it, it has validity. Either side has validity there. But one of the one of the big problems is, is that a lot of my friends who happen to be liberals are the ones, I think, causing this type of trouble in our society. You take Kohl's, for example. They're doing exactly what Target is doing. And Target's losing a ton of money. And you get to the point and you say, well, yeah, that's uh, fine. They don't care about the money. Obviously, it's obvious. They don't care about your opinion. That's why they're catering to a market that's less than 1%. And if you were to take the universe of their customers... I think it's even less than that. And the school boards as well, they want to set up a bathroom, especially for unisex. And they don't care if they have to spend millions and millions of dollars to make their statement. But they will do it. It can't say men or women anymore. And you got to change the pronouns and you got to relabel everything. All of that costs money. These signages... They got all kinds of rules and and, uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion programs in corporate, corporate America, in our government, in our military. All of these handbooks now cost money. To reinvent the wheel, to, to what? For what? 
for what class of people are we talking about? It's a sexual perversion. And that's the part that people are turning a blind eye to. It's like, okay, so you're trans or you're, you're, you're gay. Okay, that's your sexual choice. That's your sexual identity, right? You want to be that, that's fine. Nobody has a problem with that. But why in the world is that a political issue? Why are you being classified as a political group, right? I mean, how in the world do you square that? How do you get there? And then it it doesn't even stop there. It's all about dividing America for for people that are maybe Christians that don't want to make that cake that don't want to necessarily do those do certain things or participate it's forcing the person that doesn't want to participate into participation and that person's now lost their rights because what they're trying to do is say that if you're a christian you're bad and if you're a non-christian you're good if you're a sexual pervert you're good but if you are someone who values family and has traditional values, American values, Judeo-Christian values, you're somehow bad. You're the guy that, you know, and, and that they're doing the same thing with crime. I just read this um, UK uh, article, something that was happening in London, where the person who is the victim of the crime, because he stood up and, uh, somehow uh, fought back in some way, became the uh, the villain in the story and the perpetrator was the victim. And because of white privilege or something like that. And and then you start to think, it's happening in London? And, and they're, they're banning gas stoves in France? And you're like, whoa, wait a second. How is all this stuff, like this word reparations, how did that get all the way across the pond, across the Atlantic Ocean, or across the Pacific for that matter? Because in all of the globalist nations, whether it's New Zealand, Australia, Canada, UK, uh, people of color have figured out a way to be a victim, figured out a way to demand reparations, figure out a way to go soft on crime and defund the police and uh, and flip the sweat script upside down. They've gone woke in every corporation. And why? Again, think about it just for a second. Does this all happen organically? Like, is this just, or is this by design? Is this a plan? And of course, you know that it's a plan. What's the common denominator? It's multinational corporations owned by who? BlackRock, Vanguard, State Street. And remember last week we talked about, you know, the who owns Vanguard? BlackRock. Who owns BlackRock? Vanguard. Who owns State Street? BlackRock and Vanguard. They're all, they all own each other. They're the top three shareholders of each of their own corporations, and they own all, 
And they, they basically control anywhere from 7% to 15%. They're the largest shareholders. In some, in many cases, 30, 40% of certain corporations, whether it's Kohl's, Target, you name it. And so, you know, good luck with your boycott. Now, in some way, it is going to catch up with them. But you're really going to have to get disciplined with your consumption. And, you know, then the other part is this climate change where they do want to regulate your consumption. And then there's that. You know, 15-minute cities where you can't drive your car beyond 15, uh, 15 minutes if it's a longer than 15-minute drive. And then you listen to some new scientists that are coming out of the woodwork saying there's no such thing as climate. You know, it's, it's just, it's a, it's a myth. It's a, it's a fraud. It's a, it's a hoax. Why are they doing it? Well, for the same reason that they're doing everything else. COVID was a myth. COVID was a fraud. COVID was all about regulation and control and election rigging. Election rigging is real. I was just researching a whole new report on this election fraud, and it's going uncontested. The courts are not set up to change the outcome of elections, so they don't mess with it. But at some point, our state legislatures, because that's how our republic is built, the states have electoral rights and controls and power. We have to get a handle. We have to get somebody to really prove the illegitimacy of computers and uh, ballot harvesting and mail-in ballots and the way these things are being collected. The registration rolls, the dead people on the rolls, the illegals that are getting ballots sent to them and the ballot harvesters are picking them up. All of this stuff has to be addressed. The only way that these globalist monsters who are not elected officials that own all the money and control the corporations and control all the ad dollars, that controls the narratives, that controls our news and our, that's disseminated into our brains and ears, all of this stuff is, is controlled in some sort of a centralized super monopoly. And that super monopoly is scary. We have a monopoly in this world already. You talk about a one world power, you always ask the question, every time I've ever heard one world concept, I've always asked, so who's in charge? Who gets to be in charge of the world? Who's the... Who's the leader? Because everybody leads. You know, there's, there's always, it comes down to one person. Who is this one person? And how are they going to get there? How are they going to get that power and be in charge? Are they also going to eat bugs and, and uh, shrink their carbon footprint and all this, that, and the other? Well, I don't think so. I don't see John Kerry anytime soon going off of his private jet, but I see him advocating 
and advancing for your regulation and control and that you you cutting back not eating steak eating synthetic bioengineered foods bugs not traveling being regulated to a 15 minute zone not being allowed to run your uh, appliances at a certain level i mean and it's all such a scam and these globalists are getting rich off of it because they're on the inside track And there's a lot of purpose to this social credit score system and this wokeness. I'm going to play a couple of audio clips that are going to shed some light on um, this wokeness. It's pretty, pretty clever, pretty good stuff, actually. So let's get to let's get to it. Um, All right. So let's take a listen to um, this here. Let's take a listen. All right, so this is Christopher Sky, and I just closed a, something that I shouldn't have closed, but uh, we'll see what happens here. New York just came out with this wonderful new plan. They are now going to track the carbon footprint of the groceries you buy. That's right. They're going to do exactly what I said. Track the amount of carbon you use every month, so then they can tell you you're using too much, and they can limit you. Oh, wait, and I said they're actually going to try to control the food you eat, and especially limit meat, and say, oh, they're never going to do that. Well, now they just announced as well in New York that they are going to limit meat consumption at any government-owned facility, like your public schools, because it's bad for the environment. So, once again... Under the guise of the climate change scam, they are going to use the so-called personal carbon allowance to track, trace, control, and limit where you can travel, how you can travel, how much you can eat, and even what you can eat. Thank you very much. (laughs) That does not sound pleasant, does it? It doesn't. It doesn't to me anyway. Um, All right, so let's take a listen to this one. This is kind of interesting. Why are so many companies going woke? There had to be some reason. So, 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 why are the country companies going woke? There has to be a reason, right? There's a reason for everything. All right, so let's take a listen. Why are so many companies going woke? There had to be some reason, and after some digging, I found it: the CEI Corporate Equality Index, aka the Woke Credit Score. It's a made-up score based on how much a company is pushing woke issues. And who made up and gives this score? An organization called the HRC, a massive political lobbying group. Apparently, HRC sends representatives to corporations every year, telling them the kind of stuff they have to make visible at the company, give them a list of demands, and if they don't follow through, there's a threat that they won't keep their CEI credit score. And why do companies even care about this made-up woke credit rating? If they get a bad score, then the woke investor funds start putting pressure on the boards. Woke activists are mobilized out in the streets. Advertising campaigns are shut down. Anyone that continues to do business with them will also be penalized. This is fascism. Don't play their game, don't get their investment. And who is funding the HRC? Surprise, surprise, it's George Soros' Open Society Foundation. Now, this HRC has introduced this arbitrary credit rating to everything. States, municipalities, and even schools. Imagine that. There are people who are deciding what credit score an individual school can get. They threaten them by having these big funds withhold investments into them. 
we now have a made-up scoring system that doesn't physically exist, deciding how much digital money that doesn't physically exist companies get. And it makes people physically act a certain way. This is truly mind control. You know, if you don't do as you're told, you won't get the bank loan, right? I mean, that's uh, that's already been happening. Uh, I think Ezra, uh, Ezra Levon uh, from Rebel News was uh, was told he couldn't bank at a certain bank because of his politics, because he questioned the election uh, rigging. You know, and you know, and then George Soros, obviously George Soros is in control of a lot of this stuff, particularly election machines. And but he's also meddling in Ukraine. Let's take a listen to a couple of George Soros clips here. This is just so you know who set up the war in Ukraine and our billions of dollars in taxpayer dollars are paying for it. Let's take a listen. Set up a foundation in Ukraine before Ukraine became independent of uh, Russia. Um, and the foundation has been uh, functioning ever since. There is one pers- person who was very deeply involved in Ukraine, uh, and, and that's Biden. He had a lot more patience than I had in, in uh, trying to convert Poroshenko into a democratic leader. But the opportunity uh, to generate a united Ukraine, uh, getting it right is uh, is within your grasp. And we want to be your uh, your partner, your friend in the project. We want to, and we're ready to assist. We're also asking Congress to act promptly uh, to deliver on uh, an aid package, including a one billion dollar loan guarantee that can help. Uh, smooth the path for reform inside of Ukraine uh, and give uh, the Prime Minister and his government the capacity to do what they need to do uh, as they are also. And remember that $1 billion that was held up by Joe Biden so as to make sure that they fire the prosecutor that was investigating Burisma who um, was paying Hunter Biden 80-something thousand dollars a month to sit on a board, to basically uh, be a gatekeeper for illicit business. And the same thing was true with Mitt Romney's campaign advisor uh, from the 2012 campaign, or 2008 campaign maybe, but but is it longtime advisor, Kofor Black, former CIA guy. And uh, all of these people are involved in this stuff. Let's take a listen to this. What does he see? What What is George Soros going to say here? COVID nineteen helped legitimize instruments of control. I want to say it again. COVID nineteen helped legitimize the instruments of control. COVID nineteen also helped legitimize instruments of control. Yeah, that's right. It did. It legitimized the instruments of control. Let's take a listen to George Soros here. I set up the foundation in Ukraine in 1990. 
which was two years before the independence of Ukraine. What is George Soros figure in all this? Unfortunately, everywhere. If we talked about some positive results from the activities of this gentleman, then we should have noted some success. But his activity is mainly focused on those countries, where he took an active position with his various funds. We remember the countries in North Africa, where the Arab Spring happened. Libya, Tunisia, and Egypt. We remember the Tulip Revolution in Kyrgyzstan. We remember the Rose Revolution in Georgia. We remember the Orange Revolution in 2004. And finally, the consequences of not only the Orange Revolution, but also the Revolution of Dignity of 2013 and 2014. This is also his activity. He did not stop. He continued to operate in 2015 and 2016. Hillary Clinton comes in as Secretary of State, and at that point she sets up a private email system. I think now it's pretty clear that part of what was going on is they were setting up the underpinnings that would set up the Madan. She introduced a program called Civil Society 2.0. And what we've done with Secretary Clinton's Civil Society 2.0 program is we've taken one of America's undeniable strengths, the strength of our technology and of our innovators, and we've put them to work in service of our diplomatic goals. This is a way for the U.S. government to work directly with NGOs like International Renaissance, funded by George Soros, and while working with those NGOs, fund money to them, but also training, and the kind of training that would be used when the Madan would start. And the USAID, part of an extension of the CIA and the State Department, headed up by Samantha Power, is one of the financiers of all of that. So, you know, USAID has been paying off uh, leaders of countries and getting engaged in coups for a long time. So, you know, one of the ways they get there is they push the climate hoax and they install fear and they stand behind it and they push it so that they can control people, movement, and everything else. So let's take a listen to John Kerry. In a recent NBC yeah. poll from August, voters ranked climate change as the fifth most important issue. It was behind democracy, cost no of living, jobs it. in the economy, immigration. I mean, can you make the case for it being number one, or how do you see that? It is an existential issue. Mm -hmm. It is an issue where people today are dying. 15 million a year die because of the lack of air quality. 10 million people are dying every year around the world because of extreme heat. It's getting hotter. There are going to be more intensive weather events, and it will cost us an awful lot more money. So as that happens, as people see their farms, you know, the crops ripped away or their homes destroyed, you watch the pressure grow. And I believe we're in a transformational moment. I think this will be one of, if not the, but it'll be one of the top three issues in the 24 presidential election. No question in my mind. In a recent NBC. So uh, false. Uh, I don't think it should be. Uh, take a listen to... Um, Take a listen to this uh, climate expert talking about climate. Oh, well, first, 
Yeah, well, we could talk. I got a couple of things because they're using these fifteen-minute cities as climate. Uh, let's 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 actually take a look at this climate scam uh, regarding a fifteen-minute city. Coffs Harbor. Uh, it says here the pushback begins. Coffs Harbor Council forced to address public concerns after huge crowds turned out to oppose plans for it to become a fifteen-minute city. It would seem that people are waking up. The climate hoax, the climate scam. Let's take a listen. Mounting concern over Coffs Harbour City Council's move towards 15-minute cities. But some residents say the plan amounts to restricting freedom of movement. There has been a public backlash to a new vision outlining the future of transport in Coffs Harbour. 15-minute neighbourhoods where we... All the essential services and all the facilities that you may need to visit would be within 15 minutes. Councillors caught off guard by a large public turnout to a series of recent council meetings with residents calling for answers. A little bit um, uh, surprising that we had a full full, um, gallery. The council says the main goal is to reduce our dependency on the family car. The plan to install more footpaths and cycleways, thereby reducing our carbon footprint. Anything that requires larger than 15 minute radio commutes would obviously have an impact on the pollution that occurs from the vehicles. But some are concerned the proposal goes too far, potentially restricting freedom of movement. Biometrics, licence plate reading, are you going to be tracked everywhere you go in order for them to administer a carbon credit? System. Coff City Council has downplayed the concerns and denies the plan amounts to over-surveillance. It's not a lockdown mechanism and it's not an observation mechanism at all. The Council is now reviewing a big public response during the draft exhibition period. We receive a whole ton of submissions on that. It's posting security guards at Council meetings and insisting people register beforehand. And we have questions and we'd like the Council to engage in conversation and they don't seem willing to do that all right so you know they mentioned biometrics here's the problem with biometrics well one of the problems there's lots of lots of potential problems invasion of privacy which you don't have anymore but not too long ago i was at an airport and they got a new system in place they got a new system the new security system, and get this. So you didn't have to take your shoes or your belt off. Nice. You didn't have to take your computer out of your bag. Great. But this new system also, um, you give them your uh, passport, and especially with the passport card, because you can not only have a book, but you could have a card. They scan in your passport, and then they biometric your face. And so your face is, has the biometric on it. All these little square boxes going around your face. And it was pretty... They didn't ask me if they were going to scan my face. And they did. And now forever, um, my face is attached with my passport so that I could be tracked. That, that face facial data can now be tracked 
with me just walking around an airport, walking around a bus station, walking anywhere, because that is now in a master database for the whole world to use, not just that one airport, not just TSA, but it could be used everywhere now. They didn't ask me. And so I said something to the guy. I said, uh, wow, um, this is a little invasive. He said basically something to the impact like, well, like if you don't have anything to hide, sort of like that. It reminded me of something I had heard a long time ago in 2009. 2009. Google CEO at the time, Eric Schmidt said this. Listen to this. This was Eric Schmidt, the CEO of Google in 2009. People are treating Google like their most trusted friend. Should they be? Well, I think judgment matters. Eric Schmidt is Google's CEO. If you have something that you don't want anyone to know, maybe you shouldn't be doing it in the first place. But if you really need that kind of privacy, the reality is that search engines, including Google, do retain this information for some time. Um, and it's important, for example, that you, we are all subject in the United States to the Patriot Act. It is possible that that information could be made available to the authorities. Folks, that was, 2000, that now, was 2009. Okay. Think about the advancements in technology since then. Think about that for just a sec. I mean, that is just massive. So that's scary. I, I'll never forget that. I, I heard that at the time. And I threw my arms up at the time in 2009. And I actually searched for that, for this show. It was a little hard to find, actually, because it's so old. But uh Yeah. It's crazy stuff. All right, so let's take a listen to, um, we have another uh, climate, uh, oh, actually, there's one more thing I want to get to. This is bioengineering food. So, you know, climate, COVID, health, food. You know, COVID also not only got to the point where we, we were mailing out our ballots as a result of COVID, which led to election fr- massive election fraud. But COVID also made it so the WHO has superpowers over uh, one nation's sovereignty, any nation's sovereignty, related to pandemics. And they're predicting another pandemic is right around the corner. Like we're going to have strategic bioweapon pandemics, you know, uh, as is part of our daily routine, part of our lives. But let's take a listen to this. This is a a woman that was basically looking at some basic food. It was a tortilla. Uh, She wanted to make some enchiladas or something like that. And she's reading this bioengineered food. Let's take a listen. Okay, this is completely insane. Check this out. I was planning on making this for dinner tonight. On the front, it says made with three ingredients. Cool. I wasn't really trying to be healthy. I know how to eat healthy, but a lot of the time, I don't. 
here it says limited core flour, palm oil, salt. But then it says contains bioengineered food ingredients. Okay, so what does that mean? I saw someone say that they downloaded the app Yucca, Y-U-K-A. And so I scanned it into Yucca and this is what it said. Okay, you can pause it to read it. I can't even pronounce the name of this, but basically it is capable of altering the structure of genetic material. It has a potential carcinogenic effect on the stomach and thyroid gland, and the additive may also weaken our immune system. So that app, um, I, I haven't downloaded it. I don't know about that app, but uh, uh, the way she spelled that was Y-U-K-A, Yuka, 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 Yucca, Yuka. Well, in any case, um, th- there is a lot of research now going on where they're putting this stuff into our uh, into our bodies. But I wanted to also take a listen to um, the climate scam. This guy is talking about carbon dioxide. Let's take a listen to this. Everything that ha- single thing that happens today is climate change. Kids in schools are being brainwashed. Parents don't seem willing to strike back. Universities fill the heads of their students with global warming rubbish. This stuff is damaging. It's dangerous and it's everywhere. We're in a cultural war. Climate change is the new religion. None of these people, not one, can define climate change other than to talk about carbon emissions. They're not carbon emissions at all. Carbon's a chemical element. It exists in things like diamonds and graphite. Carbon is in carbon dioxide, so they mean carbon dioxide emissions. And the burning of coal releases carbon dioxide. So Um, I might add, do the bushfires. So they must mean that carbon dioxide's a problem. And the world as we know it will end if we don't do something about it. Hang on. Carbon dioxide is 0.04 of a percent of the atmosphere. That is over the whole world. Human beings create only 3% of that 0.04% over the whole world. And Australia, human beings, manufacturers, cows breaking wind, bushfires, are responsible for 1.3% of the 3% of the 0.04%. Is anyone seriously suggesting that we should stand the economy on its head, force up energy prices, damage business, jeopardise employment, because 0.04% of the atmosphere is carbon dioxide? and coal produces carbon dioxide. If we genuinely want to fight for the future of our kids, we're going to have to fight against this intellectual rubbish. And it appears that only a few of us are prepared to step into the ring. That's because once you do, a media company gets punished because advertisers pull their funding because they're part of that social credit scoring system. The social... Social good, uh, the ESG score, scores, DEI. There's a guy named Dan Pena. Now, I'm going to be very careful about how I play this because he curses in it, but I'm going to try to bleep these out. Um, and I have it marked down and noted. Um, I have to manually bleep it. Uh, but, uh, you know, he made, the, he, he made the great point that banks... Uh, wouldn't be giving loans for oceanfront property if uh, it was the case that uh, 
you know, the, the climate was a, was nothing more than a hoax. And the same people ask yourself that too, the COVID. I have another uh, video uh, by a guy named David, Dr. Dave Martin, uh, who talks about COVID as being the scam, right? So that was a scam too. The same people basically ruined the world to gain control with COVID uh, are doing the same thing with climate. Uh, shutting down combustible engines, uh, b- putting slaves in cobalt mines. They don't really care so long as they gain power and control. That's the sad, sad truth. Let's take a listen to this. The answer. Okay. In 2011, my wife and I were in Antarctica renewing our vows. For most of you that don't know, Antarctica is on a mountaintop. Okay. And uh, there is a $500 million uh, facility, uh, scientific facility there. And, and the scientists came to give us presentations about global warming. And they had cores of ice that they had drilled. They had drilled four or 5,000 cores, and they only brought 15 or 20. So they're going through the second or third core, and they said uh, 275,000 years ago, this was the temperature, blah, 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 blah. And then 55,000 years ago, the world was two degrees warmer Celsius than it is today. This is 2011. And I stop, stop, stop. And he said, and I said, well, you mean the whole world? He says, yes. And the poles are only benchmarks. And I said, well, what about the things that the young woman alluded to? Okay. And he said, it's all cyclical. And although the gas may have exacerbated it, in the cosmos of time, it's not a fart in the wind. In the cosmos of time, of the 13.8 billion years that we've been on this miserable planet, it's not a fart in the wind. And as I told Joe Rogan on his show, and he said in his infinite wisdom, and uh, Joe, if you hear this, I thank you for the opportunity to be on your show. He said, then in 25,000 years, it's most likely not going to be a problem. Now, my direct answer to your question, if that were really true, which you believe, and let's just for a moment say that it is true, that means that the best scenario vis-a-vis global warming is about 10 feet raising water. That's the best scenario over the next 40, 50 years. That's the best scenario. The worst scenario is about 100 feet. But let's just take the 10 feet. If the water on the planet is going to rise up 10 feet, that means the southern part of the United States is gone. England is gone. Most of Europe is gone. And I can go, uh, most of Central America is gone. Okay. If that's the case, let's just take Florida, for example, which is one of the fastest growing condominium, beachfront condominiums on the planet. In the prospectus, when you invest, there should be, in the footnotes, if global warming is for real, they won't put it that way, global warming happens and water rises 10 feet, this investment you made is fuck all. Oh. One single investment per- Well, yeah, I, I, I missed it. <laughs> so, in any case, he says he goes into this this whole 
um, thing where he's basically saying that the banks would never give you a loan. They would never give you a loan. It, if, and they're not stupid. And it's a 30-year loan typically for these buildings. They wouldn't do that, right? So why in the world? It's just simple logic. When it comes to business, they're not doing that. And, you know, here's, uh, here's another guy. This is guy, the, the uh, founder of the Weather Channel. Climate deniers, people who believe climate change is not happening in any meaningful way, are sometimes painted in the media as fringe characters, as kooks. So this might shock you. A man who co-founded the Weather Channel thinks climate change is a hoax. His name is John Coleman. Hello to all your viewers. I resent you calling me a denier. That is a, a word meant to put me down. I'm a skeptic about climate change, and I want to make it darn clear, Mr. Kenny's not a scientist. I am. He's the CEO of the Weather Channel now. I was the founder of the Weather Channel, not the co-founder. And I'm glad you did, because I am addicted to the Weather Channel. I watch a lot I'm of cable news. Now. Hold on just well, a minute. I'm not done. And CNN has taken a very strong position on global warming that is that it is a consensus. Well, there is no consensus in science. Science isn't a vote. Science is about facts. And if you get down to the hard, cold facts, uh, there's no question about it. Climate change is not happening. There is no significant man-made global warming now. There hasn't been any in the past, and there's no reason to expect any in the future. There's a whole lot of baloney, and yes, it is. it has become a big political point of the Democratic Party and part of their platform, and I regret it's become political instead of scientific, but the science is on my side. I don't think we're going to come to a conclusion about the topic right here. What I do wonder, oh, I know though, is when not, you see... Because you the... wouldn't allow it to happen on CNN, but I'm happy well, that we, I got on the air and got a chance to talk to your, uh, to your viewers. Hello, everybody. What there I is do, no global warming. What I do wonder is when you see the government, when you see NASA, when you see other institutions say that 97% of climate scientists agree, do you think they're making it up? I, I, what I don't understand is how you well, square that. Well, that's a manipulated that. figure, and let me explain it to you. Uh, this, the uh, government puts out about $2.5 billion directly for climate research every year. It only gives that money to scientists who will produce scientific results that support the global warming hypothesis of the Democrat Party position. So they don't have any choice. If you're going to get the money, you've got to support their position. Therefore, 97% of the scientific reports published support global warming. Why? Because those are the ones the government pays for, and that's where the money is. It's real simple. But that doesn't mean it's right. That doesn't make it true. That only makes it bought and paid for. The money goes in circles. You know, uh, they say 97% of the scientists that haven't been silenced, right? Because uh, there were COVID scientists denouncing the pandemic, denouncing the vaccines, trying to shine a spotlight on all the different uh, things that were going on that didn't make sense. Empty hospitals, you know, the whole thing. Uh, vaccines and, and some of the detrimental and harmful effects. Uh, all the different laws. You can't sue uh, them if you get ill or you die. Um, you just have to take it or you can't leave your house. You can't keep your job. You know, all of these things. Can't question election fraud. All of these things. And, 
you know, they we heard it, uh, 51 CIA intelligence agencies, they used that to win an election. Uh, 17 intelligence agencies believed in the Russian hoax uh, and um, Crossfire Hurricane. Give me a break. They were all wrong all the time. How are they winning elections? Oh, it's, it's called election fraud. Let's take a listen to this. And this is what I would be FE, concerned with... FEC were- chairman, Trey Trainer. Okay. Or on the other side of these election contests that are going on around the country is that, you know, if, if, uh, if you look at the level of evidence that has been provided by these affidavits, hundreds of affidavits that corroborate uh, events that have happened on the ground, um, in a summary judgment phase of these cases, you have to take the evidence of the plaintiff as being true. Uh, the court has to take the evidence of the plaintiff as being true and see whether or not the other side can can make a case against it. Uh, so the uh, massive amounts of affidavits that we see in these cases uh, show that there was, in fact, fraud that took place. And uh, the other side really needs to answer these questions so that well, we can me, have. Let to- me ask you that, because according I mean, this is I'm not a lawyer, but the, the phrase innocent until proven guilty. What you're saying is, is the reverse in the sense of you're saying that the charges are assumed to be true of fraud. Um, is this a different standard under election law? It's not a different standard, but one of the initial things that happens in these type of cases, especially in a federal case, uh, first you have to overcome what's known as a 12B6 motion, which is did the plaintiff state a case for which relief can be granted? Uh, Clearly, in this case, they've stated a case for which relief can be granted. Uh, So then the next phase of a trial would be uh, the plaintiffs making some sort of motion for a summary judgment saying we have irrefutable evidence uh, that fraud took place. And uh, the other side would have to put up some evidence. Uh, And in a summary judgment phase, uh, you take the evidence of the plaintiff as being true uh, and see whether or not there's enough evidence to go to trial. Uh, And so at the end, at the end of the day, the the, what I would say is that these are legitimate accusations that are going to be tried in court. And, uh, you know, we need to let this legal process play out. Absolutely. Well, that brings us to the end of the Scott Adams show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. Hey, we got a big, uh, big response uh, related to uh, the American Spectator, where Leonora writes uh, her articles, and she was going to be giving out these magazines, and we got uh, an, so much so that she's she has interns that are actually going to be taking the uh, addresses and mailing these out. Um, but she already got back to many of you um, and who wrote in. And again, uh, what we said was uh, if you email scott at scottadamshow.com, that's scott, my name, at scottadamshow.com, and give us your address, it's not going to be put on any list. It's just she's going to send you out a magazine, and you can check out America's Spectator for free. Be sure to check out magapack.org and use Red State over at MyPillow. And we'll see you next time on the